Hey, y'all. Welcome to another podcast. I hope you're having a great week, and I hope you're just, yeah, really enjoying your time. Hope you're staying warm. I know in Australia it's a bit cold, so I hope you're staying warm. I hope you're staying safe, and I hope you're excited for another podcast. This week, we're going to look at Mark's Jesus. Now, what I mean by Mark's Jesus is uh, in this podcast, I want to present the vision of Jesus depicted in the Gospel of Mark and explain how we can present that in our current cultural climate. In this Gospel, we see the author balancing Jesus' divinity and humanity, attempting to show him as a fully divine man, unlike the heroes in Greco-Roman culture. I believe this balancing attempt the author is doing is to emphasize that Jesus is a divine miracle worker different to the heroes in the Greek and Roman culture, something never seen before in the history of mankind. That's why in this week's podcast, I want to examine the the authorship of Mark's gospel, uh, the literary structure, and how the author is depicting of Jesus as a truly divine miracle worker changes how we present this in our cultural climate and what we can do to present this version of Jesus that we find in the Gospel of Mark. Because I think that's really important for us to sit with sometimes, to kind of think about how do we present this now in our times, because each Gospel is written with a certain presentation of Jesus. A certain aspect that the author's trying to make sure we understand. And we gotta, once we, you know, kind of understand what the author was aiming for, we gotta look at, well, how do we do that in our here and now? Which is a lot different than when these texts were written. That recorded some of the amazing ministry that Jesus had while he was on the earth. With that all in mind, it's important for us to remember that the author of the Gospel of Mark does not identify himself. So technically, if we want to be real technical about it, the book is anonymous. But Mark in Priority, which is a theory that Mark's Gospel was written first out of the Synoptic Gospels and used by both Matthew and Luke in their Gospels. This theory is accepted by most scholars and leads us to believe that authors, the author of the Gospel of Mark wasn't always hidden. Otherwise, this book wouldn't have been circulated as widely or used by Mark and Luke when they wrote their own Gospel. The traditional view that most have and most scholars have is they kind of accept the early church's testimony that it was written by John Mark referred to in Acts 12 and later called Mark. It's important to note too that Clement of Alexandria so you know 150 to 215 CE said the following regarding the authorship of Mark. 
and I'll read it for you now. So we'll, hopefully I don't make any mistakes. We'll, we'll see what happens. But this is, this is what he said. When Peter had preached the word publicly in Rome and announced the gospel by the Spirit, those present, of whom there were many, besought Mark, since for a long time he had followed him and remembered what had been said, to record his words. Mark did this and communicated the gospel to those who made request of him. When Peter knew of it, he neither actively prevented or encouraged the undertaking. And I just think for me, this whole idea of, you know, Mark writing this gospel and the early churches, you know, saying that and us just kind of sticking to that and there being some evidence for that, some evidence against that. I just think it makes a lot of sense because Mark kind of helped provide a written reference regarding the testimony of Peter about Jesus Christ and about the other apostles and, you know, taking in those stories. Because in the world he's in, it's a really oral tradition. And I don't think we had Peter who was really focused on writing things down. Because in Peter's eyes, you know, and the way that the the apostles follow Jesus, they would have thought, what's the point of writing these things down that can so easily be embodied and acted out throughout our lives? So they went around teaching, using the oral tradition they were in to trying to help people grab onto this, help people to live it in their own lives, in their own way. So I think that's why for me, I really sit well with this whole idea that Mark wrote it, even though, you know, if we want to get technical, there's no authorship to the gospel, Mark. Uh, there's no identity claimed. It's, it's an anonymous book. But, you know, Mark in priority kind of sets the framework for it being Mark. And there were some early manuscripts where it says the gospel according to Mark and stuff. So there's, there's some, you know, idea and consensus. And, you know, we can kind of say that, yeah, we're pretty sure Mark wrote it. But I guess it's you know, hard to be 100% sure about anything. But it makes a lot of sense to me. And I think explaining the authorship is one thing and kind of knowing the history of the text as well and all that kind of stuff is really important. So it, it can help things come alive. Like it's interesting when we realize that Mark's gospel was written first. It was the, the first, you know, probably written account of Jesus. Written around 70 AD. And I I think that's really interesting because a lot of times we don't go to this gospel for, you know, our theology and stuff. But there's so much in it if we dive into the stories. Because it's a really action-packed, vivid narrative. And explaining and kind of knowing all that is a, a first task when we're interpreting any gospel, but especially the gospel mark. And now that we've kind of done that, I kind of want to just take a moment just to look at some of the literary structure we find in this gospel and how the author is depicting Jesus throughout. You know, it's important to realize Mark wrote his gospel and used vivid storytelling like I was saying earlier. He did this to try to help create a similar experience to the disciples that they had when they were following Jesus. Because the mystery of Jesus was revealed to them paradoxically through secrets. They didn't all come at once. It was like little breadcrumbs that they were following. 
and you know if we're honest the apostles and the early church you know and the the mark for just assuming that he wrote this which i i mean not assuming but yeah if we if we stand with him writing this uh he was part of a jewish culture which kind of saw itself still in a form of exile waiting restoration so he kind of sets up his gospel in a similar way where the disciples were following him throughout his ministry and they were following jesus trying to learn from him and jesus was kind of leaving breadcrumbs paradoxically revealing the secrets And I think that's kind of what Mark does in his gospel, to create a similar experience for the reader. So this gospel really is, if you pick it up, it's action-packed. You know, it, it gets going quick and it doesn't stop till the end. It has numerous twists and turns throughout its text. And this gospel uses numerous literacy devices, like, you know, word repetition, framing, interpolation, uh, macro and micro structure to help him reveal the mystery of Jesus as a truly divine miracle worker. I mean, after the prologue that we find in Mark chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 13, many commentators split the gospel into three sections, with each section opening with a summary. The, The way that, you know, those commentators and most scholars put the structure of this gospel is in the following three sections. Section one is Jesus, the messianic authority. And the next se- section is Jesus' Jesus's messianic suffering. And then the final section is Jesus' Jesus's resurrection announced. And Mark kind of skillfully uses the literary devices to help make his gospel come to life when we read it. And it kind of slowly reveals the mystery of Jesus as a divine miracle worker, leaving little breadcrumbs that this is something different. This is something big, taking us on a similar journey to those who follow Jesus in his earthly ministry. And due to this, you know, literary structure and devices and depiction of Jesus that we have throughout the Gospel of Mark, I believe it's really clear if we sit with it and if we read it that it's he's revealing Christ as a divine miracle worker. And I think this is what the author intended. This is what the author wanted people to take away when they sat and read the Gospel or when they heard the gospel spoken to them. Because, you know, this was an oral tradition, so, you know, the the whole community might have not known how to read. So it might have been, you know, a memorizing, people telling you the stories, and you remembering the stories. And the author intended for this to be the takeaway. You know, to present Jesus not as a miracle worker, you know, like the prophets, of old, but a divine miracle worker, which was bringing fulfillment to all of Israel's scripture. Something new, something amazing. Trying to show that Jesus has authority over all the earth and all the heavens. 
In this gospel, we see Jesus freely teaching and healing all of those who come to him. Mark incorporates the literary and oral traditions throughout his gospel to magnify and reveal this mystery of Jesus' identity throughout, to really make sure he hammers it home so we know the identity of Christ by the time we finish reading his gospel. And kind of while revealing this mystery, allowing us to see Jesus as his true identity, as a truly divine miracle worker, there's also a call for all of us to take part in the mission of continuing his work here on earth. And it's no simple task to continue the work of Jesus here on earth because he constantly turned culture on its head throughout the Gospel of Mark. And we see this over and over and over again. And this culture that we would have that was around back then was strongly motivated by the dominant religions of the region and it was rooted in an honor and shame culture and what i mean by an honor and shame culture it was it wasn't about right and wrong it was about all right what's going to bring honor to my family and what's going to bring shame to my family which is something a lot different than the culture we have now in Australia and in lots of other, you know, I guess, developed countries, we kind of have this idea, this moral compass of right and wrong. Ain't this culture back then didn't have that. What's going to bring honor and what's going to bring shame to me and to my family? And Jesus consistently did this through the numerous healings and the people he chose to share a meal with throughout his journey in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus was constantly flipping the honor and shame culture on its head. And this was a a dynamic part of Jewish culture at that time. And of lots of cultures of that time. Like I said, this culture was rooted in trying to figure out what's going to bring honor and shame to your family. That was the most important thing. It wasn't about bringing right or wrong. It was about bringing honor or shame totally different than what we have now throughout this gospel we are seeing jesus as a divine miracle worker bringing the reign of god through his work on earth which is different to all the kingdoms of the earth jesus was is depicted as bringing a true religion which would create an end to the temple culture and taxes which is which you know, it's kind of made clear by his actions in the temple found in Mark 11. You know, there there was, you know, the government and Romans, you know, everyone kind of had their fingers in a pie with the temple tax, but he flips all of it on its, te- on its head. He's bringing something new, something different, something that's bigger than the temple, something that we, we were craving for and we still are craving for because we get hints of it but we don't get complete hints of it you know we still can get caught up in this empire building kind of model 
trying to build our empire our church bigger getting a bigger place a bigger auditorium more staff bigger this and all those kind of things Jesus was really flipping things on its head and I probably would still do the same if he came back today but throughout this gospel it again and again he's depicted as a truly divine miracle worker who's bringing the reign of God through his actions on earth. And he was content planning and he was continuing this mission through his followers after the resurrection. The ending of his gospel kind of calls for us to realize that the story of Jesus as a divine miracle worker is not finished yet. We're meant to take part of it. We see this clearly with the ending found in earlier manuscripts, which would which stop at Mark 16, verse 8. And if you get your Bible out and you want to check me on it, you usually can. It, you open it up to Mark, you get to Mark 16, and you'll have a little heading that will tell you most earlier manuscripts don't end there. So I'll tell you what it says in my you know, ESV version. There's this little gap between... Verse 8 and verse 9, and it says some of the early manuscripts do not include Mark 16, 9 to 20. So this earlier ending, and even the ending that was added, kind of put this call for us to step up. This call for, you know, this mission's not done yet. What are you going to do about it? And taking all of this in, It makes me ask, how do you explain this depiction of Jesus that we get and some of his teachings to others? Because explaining things to people is challenging at the best of times. But it becomes even more challenging when we're communicating to an audience that needs the main idea simplified. And I think this is the case no matter where you are placed in the world today. You know, we like to think that only kids have a shorter attention span, but there's a reason now only TED Talks are like, what, 15 minutes most of the time? Now I wonder how many people are going to listen to the end of this before they click off. Our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. Explaining this depiction of Jesus found in the Gospel of Mark must be be simplified for our current culture because it will help us and others on our faith journey and help us to discover Jesus more and more you know to to be able to simplify an idea or an understanding requires us to have an extreme amount of knowledge around the topic I know in my time as a kid's and families, uh, pastor, I tried to articulate to children, fam- families, you know, this this idea of of Jesus that we have in the Gospel of Mark, which is really close to you know uh, what Paul says in his letters as well. But I, I kind of did it by focusing on the law-free mission to others, to to others centered in the love revealed through Jesus. You know, we can't base our mission upon making others obey certain religious customs. Because that 
gets hairy at times that pushes people out that builds up walls so we gotta get them to follow jesus where he leads them trusting god and the divine miracle worker that we read about to do his work You know, we can communicate that I communicated this by creating a ministry that was centered around a relationship building model, which focused on creating a partnership with families and seeking to support them on their individual faith journeys. I did this, you know, my time in children and families ministry at a church by continually communicating to them the importance of Jesus as a divine miracle worker in all aspects of life. And seeing the invitation for us to join him in this mission to bring healing to a hurting world. Throughout the you know, children and families ministry programs on a Sunday, we had a, a simple motto. They always told my leaders, you know, we, we need to try to express this, which was simply that every kid matters. This, to me, is the biggest miracle Jesus did in our society by showing us that everyone matters and is loved because it's why he came on the cross. And I believe if, if we could help others learn that they matter to us, at the church and at the kids ministry I was at at the time and I still believe this now it would be easier for them to connect with a God who cares for them so much more Jesus helps us see the sh- the value in our shared humanity and the love of God desires to permeate all of God's creation And you might be asking yourself, you know, well, that sounds really good, Matt. How do we do that? Uh, This idea, like I've already said, is hard to communicate due to demands of life, the business found in our society, the ever-shortening attention spans. And it's also clear that, you know, families and other various people groups have become a bit of a political tool at times uh, used by you know politicians all over the world and this has created confusion in our society which has led to many of us becoming more isolated out of fear of being used as a political platform this is why i believe we should be trying to support others with their own individual journey by meeting them where they are at without any preconceived ideas. This helps to lift any judgment and allows us to walk with them while showing them that Jesus is a divine miracle worker who can work throughout throughout our numerous mistakes as individuals. Rather than telling them how to be a perfect person, we should be giving them tools and be a good listener and to be a good listener, we got to listen with our heart, with our mind, and with our ears. And always reinfer- reinforcing to others that Jesus is bigger than our mistakes. Because he is a divine miracle worker with the power to do more than we imagine if we are willing to journey with Christ. Mark, in his gospel, 
and in my opinion, very clearly depicts Jesus as a divine miracle worker who, whose work we are called to join in by truly following him centered in his love. The culture and society of our world is crying for the followers of Jesus to join him in his work throughout our world. In my context, you know, if it's what now I'm pastoring at Highfields Church of Christ, but even if it's just at home or anywhere, uh, I attempt to do this by being the hands and feet of Jesus, always attempting to center my actions in his love. You know, as St. Francis of Assisi was quoted with saying, preach the gospel at all times, and when required, use words. We too often want to use our words, but we got to remember we preach the gospels way more with our actions. And when we make mistakes, we have to remember that Jesus is the divine miracle worker. He can do amazing things through our mistakes. I want to, and we got to, you know, kind of hold on to that. So it's not all on us. It's not about perfection and getting it all right. It's about trusting Jesus. It's about handing it to him. It's about seeing him the way that Mark presents him as a truly divine miracle worker. And I want to end this podcast just by reading uh, the ending of Mark found in the earlier manuscripts. Because I think this kind of helps us remember that the story's not finished. And this is what we read in Mark 6, uh, verse 8. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And I feel like that that original ending's kind of asking us, you know, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? What are you going to do to communicate this idea of Jesus as being a divine miracle worker that's different than anything we can imagine? How are you going to communicate it? What are you going to do about it? And I think that's a question we should all be asking ourselves over and over again. What are we going to do about it? And letting our hands and feet do the talking and using words when we cry. I really hope we can do that because that's what the world needs. And I, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and may God's grace and peace be with you.